the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. New survey released just today, in fact, by the Institute for Family Studies. They surveyed respondents in 11 countries, ranging from Argentina to Chile, Canada, France, Ireland, Mexico, Peru, the UK, and the United States. And here's what they determined. That on par, most marriages are happier more stable, more successful, when faith is a key component. Continuing our conversation with Linda Rooks, a look at fighting for your marriage while separated. And let's talk about this. Um, one of the challenges certainly um, in a marriage relationship can be if one of the two partners has a stronger faith or one of the two partners has abandoned their faith. What advice do you offer for folks in that kind of scenario, Linda, that are struggling, fighting to keep a marriage together? Yes, that can be a big part of it. And that was a part of it for us. Um, my husband was had been very active in the church and, and just had kind of strayed away from the church for a while. And um, and that is a big part of it. And, and the thing that you have to realize at that point is you can't change your spouse. You can't make them do anything. And uh, so, so basically, you know, when you're in that situation... First of all, you know, one piece of advice I was given is to put my spouse, my husband, on the back burner and focus on God and what he wanted to show me. And that was extremely important to me because when I really focused on God and I realized, you know, he had things to show me, for one thing, you know, changes I needed to make, but he also wanted to show me that he was enough for me and that he was really what I needed. And so when I could have that perspective, then I could pray for my husband in a way that wasn't a needy kind of prayer. It wasn't like, oh, bring him back, or, you know, that kind of prayer, but a prayer to really pray that he would come back to the Lord, that he would have a heart relationship with the Lord again. And um, also to begin identifying and praying against any strongholds, you know, and when a person is away from God, there's something going on in the spiritual realm that is not good, and and we need to be able to uh, ask God to show us what that is and how to pray for them. So that was another part of it. And and then also um, speaking encouraging words to them. You know, during a time like that, when your spouse is away from God, or if he's not a Christian at all, sometimes the way that he can see Jesus is by seeing Jesus in you, you know, by you being, uh, you expressing things in a way that are the loving parts of what God has for you to show. Well, and I think that's such an important point, because so often those that are in that, that separation period, separation phase, become so focused on how he needs to change or what she needs to do, and, and so much of it is an outward focus, 
um, with people and, and circumstances that, quite frankly, we have very little, if any, control over. But the one thing that we have complete, total control over is ourselves, our attitudes, our prayer lives, our relationship with God. I, I wonder how much of a component here needs to be that while oftentimes the focus is on what's wrong with the other spouse, could we be doing a better job of working in a fashion that could ultimately lead to marriage uh, restoration and reconciliation if we're more focused on our own deficiencies and how God wants to change us? Exactly. That is exactly right. And and the more time you just spend with God and in the Scriptures and, you know, even listening to, you know, uh, online preachers or whatever, you know, to um, to really focus on what God wants to teach you and show you and and you're right. I mean, immediate. You know, when when one a spouse, a husband or wife walks out the door, your immediate situation and thinking is that it's their fault. You know, they're the one who left. But um, when you start focusing on yourself and think of, you know, what is it about myself that I need to change? What does God want to change? Not not to change so that your spouse is likes you better, but to really focus on how God wants to change you. And I really believe that one of the things that happens in a separation like this for Christians and people who really want to see what God wants to do in their lives is that that He can really, God can really make us into more of the persons that He really wanted us to be in the first place. You know, we become more open to hearing what He wants to do. And, and I've seen so many marriages where they came back together and they ended up becoming stronger in the Lord and, and became more beautiful people, you know, just because of having gone through that really difficult time. But the problem is is that most people don't want to give it that much time. You know, they, they put limits on it. You know, well, okay, I might wait a year. Or I might wait six months or, you know, but like it was three years for us. Um, but we really needed those three years. It, it was a whole year before I realized any part of it was my fault. Mm. <laughs> you know, I really thought it was my husband's fault completely for one year. And then I started realizing, okay, I guess, you know, some of it's mine. And um, that's when things started to turn around. And, you know, when you, when you make a commitment, if you do it with any sense of, 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 of seriousness uh, for a lifetime, and then you reach a bump in the road, <clears throat> particularly when you're as far in as you were, uh, 20 years in plus, and, and as you point out, it's not altogether that unusual for people to hit the empty nest syndrome and one partner wake up one day and say, I don't know who this person is I'm married to, what am I doing here? To to invest a little bit of time, be it a year, two years, or three years, when you already have 20 underneath the bridge, uh, it seems like a small price to pay, particularly if you're able to bring about healing and restoration and reconciliation. The book is called Fighting for Your Marriage While Separated. Newly released by New Growth Press. You'll find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area. You can also order it, of course, online through Amazon.com or through Linda's website at fightingforyourmarriage.net. That's fightingforyourmarriage.net. Fighting for Your Marriage While Separated, a Practical Guide for the Brokenhearted. Our thanks to best-selling author Linda Brooks for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. All right, 516, let's get 5. Now, I'm going to reverse those numbers. How about 615? Let's get a look at traffic for you right now. Another update from the KFAX Traffic Center. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Over the last many months, there has been a growing body of concern over the school shootings. Places like Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland, Marshall County. The list seemingly continues to grow and with it concerns by parents. Not just over whether or not the physical environment is a safe one for children to learn, but certainly Christian parents have known for a long time that while that's important, so too is the quality and safety of the academic, moral, and spiritual environment in which our children are educated. Joining me today in studio is Brian Rectin, and Brian is here to share some good news about an opportunity for parents all across the San Francisco Bay Area who've long dreamed about getting their child into a private school where they can make sure that not only is there a safe learning environment from a physical aspect, but also a safe learning environment from the academic, moral, and spiritual aspect. And Brian, at the end of the day, this half-off tuition program that KFAX has been running for a number of years now really helps parents accomplish just that. Yeah, it's very exciting, Craig. And actually, we're doing this for the seventh year. And uh, over 89 families have actually benefited from this, and they've enrolled their children, and they've taken advantage of these half-price vouchers. And the first thing that I usually hear from parents is, you know, when I tell them half-price, they say, what's the catch? Well, there really isn't a catch. This has uh, been working wonderfully. God is using it in, in mighty ways. Uh, for families that just think Christian school is out of their reach— We've partnered with now, uh, so far, uh, 16 schools this year, although schools continue to uh, come on board. But when we launch this, we'll have uh, at least 16 schools spread throughout the Bay Area that will be offering vouchers at half price. Now, the only catch really is that it's new families, families that are not currently enrolled, and they do limit it to one per family because they're trying to uh, bless as many families as possible. And and basically, the re-enrollment rate is nearly 90%. So what history has shown us over these uh, six years that we've completed this process is that once a family does enroll their child or children in a Christian school, the vast majority of them re-enroll. The proof is in the pudding. They get a chance to experience the difference in their child's attitude, in their sense of well-being. Certainly, uh, almost across the board, a marked improvement mm-hmm. in their academic testing and scores. And, you know, that's attributable things like a low student-teacher ratio in private schools, Bible-based education, the level of attention that the students receive. So I guess for the parents, they come in with this with sort of a, seems too good to be true, but let's put our toe in the water and, and, and test it. And lo and behold, it. they find that it is true. And you know what else they don't have to do? They don't have to debrief their kids every day when they come home from the <laughs> yeah, government schools. Yeah, this is you true. know, what did you hear today? What did you learn today? And all the craziness, you know, with, with uh, you know, gender-neutral bathrooms and all the crazy stuff going on in the public school, they're finding that it's a breath of fresh air. They're actually looking forward to their children coming home from school to talk about what they learned that day. And it finally puts the parent, the child, the administration, the teacher, all on the same page, all pulling together for the well-being and best interest of the child. Now, this isn't to say that there aren't good public schools, because they are. But with so many agendas afoot, 
at the state level, at the federal level. And as you mentioned, between the curriculum and some of the other policies, parents have a lot to be concerned about as to whether or not what they're trying to instill in terms of biblical and moral values and academic standards in their child is being supported or countermanded Mm -hmm. in their scholastic experience. And the good news with a private Christian education is everybody's on the same page. Everybody. And you know, what I would encourage listeners, if you're hearing this and you're not, you've, you've never heard this before. You're new in the area. You just started listening to KFAX. I'd encourage you to go to our website, kfax.com. Click on any of the banners that are on the homepage that say back to school, and you'll see the list of schools. We put up a convenient map there where you're going to be able to see where all the pins are located. And you'll see everything there is to know about those schools, the website, some information on the school, what grades they're offering vouchers for. And if the two align with with your family, then I would encourage you to call uh, call me. My number and my name will be there on that page. You can ask me any questions you want. You can go visit the school. You can take a tour. The thing you want to do, though, is you want to let them know immediately that you're, you're trying to claim a KFAX voucher. Now, of course, these schools are very familiar with the voucher program. I want to talk for just a second, too, about the army of listeners that have heard about this, the 89 families that have already enrolled a child. And I'm going to ask if uh, I could solicit you all as ambassadors for this program. You've tasted and seen what this program has meant to your family. So I just encourage you to mention it to friends, mention it to coworkers, mention it to folks at church. Let them know about the program. A lot of people, uh, there are one or two people in the Bay Area that don't listen to KFAX. We know most of them do. But uh, this has been such a blessing. I could talk for hours and tell God stories of how this has changed lives. I, I, I don't have it in studio with me, but I just got an email from a mom from back in 2014 whose son is now graduating, going on to a very, very prestigious college. And she sent us an email just saying, it all started with the half-price voucher. I never dreamed I would be able to enroll my son in Christian school. Well, Four years later, he's graduating, and his life's been transformed. And it is an indisputable fact that because of the difference in the student-to-teacher ratio in private schools, the biblical-based standards, mm-hmm. um, the, the attention to scholastic excellence at every level, that SAT test scores are higher Children that matriculate through K through 12 and then go on to two- and four-year colleges and universities is significantly higher. So at the end of the day, it's, it's well worth the experience. And I would have mentioned, too, Brian, those ambassadors uh, to share the word also include grandparents out there. Oh, for sure. You want to think about blessing your grandson or granddaughter by taking advantage of a voucher and providing them with that entree into private education can make a huge difference in their life. Now, let's talk about um, a few of the housekeeping details. Again, more information available at kfax.com. Just look for the half-off tuition banner anywhere. Click on that. That'll take you to the map. You can find out what schools are available in your area. That list, as Brian mentioned, is growing daily. Again, at kfax.com. You can also get information in terms of the details of the program. So first-time families, one child per family, Uh, You do have to meet the school's individual scholastic entrance 
requirements. Yeah, the school will still meet with the family. Um, but here's the good news is uh, even at half price, your funds are never at risk because if for any reason, and it's stated very clearly on our website, if for any reason you or the school doesn't go forward with the enrollment, you get a full and immediate refund. So your, your funds are never at risk. The important thing to know, though, is it, it is a first-come, first-served uh, opportunity here. So you, you want to get onto the website. You want to see if a school is in your area. Even if you want to just explore the possibilities, I would encourage you to call me. And, um, and if there's a school that you're considering on that list, I would actually claim the voucher and then go through the process because, again, your funds are never at risk. And then um, if for any reason you or the school don't go forward, you'll get that refund. But, but when, the, when the vouchers are gone, they're gone. Yeah, so don't think, gee, the fall semester is so far away, I've got plenty of time. No, you don't. And some of the more popular schools and the more densely populated regions uh, certainly go fast. And so uh, early bird catches the worm, as well, the Well, a number of goes. schools will be sold out of vouchers in April without question. Now, what if I go to the website, kfax.com, I click on the half-off tuition banner, I look at the list, I look at the map and go, wow, the school that I was hoping for is not there. I would encourage you to immediately call me. You'll see my name and number on that page. And let me contact the school and find out. It could be a school that for some one reason or another, we didn't reach out to them or they had a change in superintendent or principal, someone wasn't familiar with the program, we can explain it to them. You can even call them and say, you know, uh, are you familiar with the KFAX voucher program because I don't see your school listed on the website. Every year we do get schools that come to us because a parent requested that they consider the half price voucher. So if you don't see the school in your neighborhood that you're familiar with, yeah, don't don't think that there's no opportunity because there is. And again, complete details available at kfax.com. That's kfax.com. You can also call toll-free to pose questions, how many vouchers are still available, details of this sort, anything that might be unique to your circumstance. Uh, simply call toll-free 800-947-KFAX. That's 800 800- Nine four seven five three two nine. We'll be happy to answer any of your questions. Again, as Brian points out, this is on a first-come, first-served basis, so the early bird catches the worm. We invite you to go online today to kfax.com, check out the half-off tuition page, and then again, if you have any questions or to redeem your voucher, call toll-free 800-947-5329. That's 800-947-KFAX. Brian, anything to add? Just I've seen how God has used this program over these uh, six prior years, the 89 families that have claimed vouchers. I don't think the whole story has been written. I think that we're going to see these students just go on. I think of the mighty men and women of God it talked about in the Old Testament, and I think a lot of these children that are coming in on these vouchers are going to go on to do great things for the kingdom. And at the end of the day, when it comes to rearing our child and giving them the tools they need for their not only scholastic future, but quite frankly, for their adulthood, we really only get one chance to do it right. So don't hesitate. Get more information. Go online today, kfax.com, or call toll-free 800-947-5329. That's 800-947-KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
interesting research that's out that I suspect if you look at the world around us here in the United States and read the headlines with any frequency, you'd probably see that, uh, yeah, this this sort of rings true, at least um, spiritually speaking. Um, We take an examination of what's going on within the evangelical church today, and um, George Barna, of course, who's done a wonderful job down through the years documenting trends within uh, the Christian world in general and and evangelicalism in specific down through the years. Um, More recently, uh, one of his surveys coming out that demonstrates, and this ought to set all of us back on our heels that identify as evangelicals, that less than five of us um, in a typical church are personally involved with evangelism. And a typical church, by the way, that identifies as evangelical in nature, (laughs) less than 2% of their budget is dedicated to, you guessed it, evangelism. So when you take the evangel out of evangelical or evangelism, what are you left with? And what about the mandate to the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's time for some re-examination as to whether or not we are engaged in the kind of reach that we ought to be. My uh, guest here in this segment of the program uh, probably grows weary of being introduced as the gentleman who's the president of the organization that runs the Christian radio station in Quito, Ecuador. But the irony, of course, is that um, given the 80-plus year incredible outreach that this ministry has had uh, through radio and other means, uh, that's probably not a bad thing to be referenced to. He is Wayne Pedersen. He is president of Reach Beyond, formerly HCJB, and he's got a new book of the same title, Reach Beyond, Comfort, Courage, and the Cause of Christ. And Wayne, great to have you on the program. Well, thanks, Greg. It's a privilege to be on with you on on, uh, this afternoon and uh, share a little bit about what God is doing in extraordinary ways around the world with the whole global shift from uh, the, the real evangelism and missions that has shifted to the global south. And the greatest growth of the Church today is not in Europe and North America, but in places like South America, Asia, and Africa. And it's amazing, too, and maybe a big wake-up call for those of us here in in the Christian West, whether we're talking about Europe or or North America, that we kind of think that uh, we're sort of the standard-bearer, the the paradigm-setter for um, what evangelicalism or evangelism rather ought to look like. And, 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 and certainly while, you know, we've played a significant role down through the years, God has been doing some exciting things in some exciting ways that are maybe perhaps by, uh, well, by Western standards, a little bit out of the norm, and yet very much within his norm. Well, it was 100 years ago that 90% of uh, followers of Jesus lived in North America or Europe, and those numbers have almost reversed in the last 100 years, where now about 70% of believers live outside of the North America and Europe. Uh, they're in Africa, where the Church is growing uh, fantastically, in Asia and Latin America. And now many of those countries are sending missionaries back to North America to some of the immigrants that have come into our country from these other countries, And uh, the top mission-sending country in the world is Brazil. The second most uh, mission-sending country is Korea. So we're seeing kind of the reverse flow of missionary activity coming back to this country. And as our country becomes more and more secular and materialistic, we're seeing uh, God working in, in previously unreached places of the world. 
Let's talk about how that paradigm shift has taken place, and, and most notably, perhaps, what we as the church in America um, and and the West can learn from it. Uh, I mean, there's always kind of been a, a pattern to the way we have engaged in outreach and evangelism. I think, for example, of, of some of the history of HCJB and kind of taking the, the approach of going into all the world and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the case of this, using radio as a means to most effectively across those borders and accomplish all of that. And yet today, even as much as we've seen a changing face of what evangelical Christianity looks like around the globe, even the ministry of, um, well, now Reach Beyond, formerly HCJB, that's even changed a bit too, hasn't it? Well, our strategy is much different where uh, we used to be very Ecuador-centric, Quito-centric, and we brought missionaries in from all over the world to go to Quito and then use shortwave broadcasting to send the message to places like uh, Europe, Russia, Africa, Asia. Today, the strategy is much more working with local partners, training indigenous people that know the language and know the culture. Most everything we do at Reach Beyond today is through a local partner. And because they're already there and they can live on $100 a month, which is the average salary, and because they already know the language and the culture, they don't have to go to language school. They don't have to take 10 years to learn the culture. And with the right equipment and the right training, uh, they can reach their peers with the gospel of Christ. Even as we speak, we have a team over in the most populous Muslim country in the world, in Indonesia, and they're training about 28 young media professionals on how to own and run and manage a radio station. And when we leave, those 28 new, newly trained leaders will be uh, reaching their countrymen, and they're seeing those stations are seeing an average of three to five people a day come to Christ at each of their stations. And churches are being planted throughout Indonesia, and former Muslims are leading other Muslims to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, imams are uh, becoming followers of Jesus and teaching about Jesus in the mosque. And it's an amazing thing that is happening as Christianity is spreading rapidly into these former countries that were strongholds for other false religions. Well, and as you indicate, Wayne, I mean, while the message is the same, it is timeless of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his um, substitutionary work on the cross on behalf of my, mankind that we might be reconciled unto the Father. Um, that That has never changed. But the methodology uh, is changing. And I, and I would wonder what the likes of a Hudson Taylor, uh, who was so uh, responsible in the 1800s for bringing the gospel to China, uh, would think of the indigenous church in China today that is largely all run by nationals. I mean, we know that there are certainly no, uh, no missionary schools there. There are no seminaries there. There are... Uh, at least of, of the ones that are above ground, the legal ones, the three-self-church movement is all controlled by the government. And yet here you are with a nation that is largely devoid of much of the way that we do, quote-unquote, church in the West. It's one of the fastest-growing churches on planet Earth, and it's all being done at the hands of nationals. Isn't it interesting, Craig, how, uh, I mean, it's always been true, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And some of the fastest-growing spread of Christianity in the world are in, are in countries where there is persecution. And uh, one outstanding example is Iran, where uh, 25 years ago they could identify only about 400 believers. And today, and largely through social media, using uh, Skype and texting and 
Facebook and other means, plus uh, broadcasting the gospel from outside of the country with medium wave. There are hundreds of thousands of Christians, and Iran is the fastest growing uh, Christian country in the world, percentage-wise. And some of the stand countries where there's heavy persecution, the church is uh, multiplying in fantastic ways. So persecution doesn't seem to stop the growth of the church. In fact, it's just the opposite. Where there is opposition in places, uh, we're working in a place like Nepal, which uh, six years ago was a Hindu-controlled government, and the Maoists came in and overthrew that government, established a democratic republic, and now we're able to go in and start radio stations and health clinics in a country that was formerly completely closed to the gospel. So these are amazing days we're living in today, and God has given us these amazing media tools, uh, not only radio, but satellite and Internet and social media, with which we can share Christ in some of the most uh, formerly closed places of the world. And of course, this all gives an underlying lesson, perhaps, uh, a wake-up call of sorts to the church in the West um, for ourselves and the enormous amount of missions work that we have to do, uh, not necessarily overseas, while that's certainly um, on the the to-do list, um, more and more so right here at home. I'll never forget years ago uh, running into a group of um, Christians that uh, were in China and uh, in the course of conversation asked them what uh, they felt the Lord had called them to do. And uh, without exception, uh, each and every one of these um, young college-age individuals indicated that they felt God had called them to be missionaries to the United States. Uh, What an amazing turn of events where in the 1800s here, uh, um, the likes of Hudson Taylor were traveling to China, bring the gospel message, and now um, the very fruit of his labor, 100-and-something years later, now feels burdened to turn around and come to the United States to bring the gospel message here. One of the things that uh, we strive to do at Reach Beyond, and that's kind of the the whole underlying theory of the book, Reach Beyond, Comfort, Courage, and the Cause of Christ, is to call the Church of Jesus Christ in North America to a stronger commitment to reach the unreached. Uh, I was involved, uh, as you may know, uh, Craig, in Christian radio for many, many years in this uh, country until uh, God called me to this work six years ago, and the verse God used was Romans 15:20, where Paul said, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where the name of Christ is not known. So in our book, we have what we're calling our mission manifesto, and it's a call to action to ourselves and to the Church in this country. Uh, for example, we state, we refuse to stand idly by as people enter eternity without Christ, when we can share the good news that transforms them through the media they use. We refuse to watch people for whom Christ died suffer in pain and poverty, when we can help restore them in his name. And we say we refuse to fear the darkness that entraps people. When common sense is protect yourself and stay in your comfort zone, we put on the armor of God and storm the gates of hell for the sake of the unreached, if that's what's required. Our conversation today with Wayne Peterson, we're talking about um, the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the mandate here in the 21st century to go into all the world, and um, how in many respects, while the message clearly remains the same, the methodology is changing. What are some of the lessons that we can learn here at home in America? A brief time out, back with more as Lifeline continues.
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Uh, Wayne Peterson is with us today. He is president of Reach Beyond. You know the ministry um, commonly as uh, HCJB, located in Quito, Ecuador. Of course, this ministry has been global and impacting the world for Christ for the better part of 80-plus-something oh, years now. Wayne has written a new book called Reach Beyond, Comfort, Courage, and the Cause of Christ. And as we were articulating prior to the break, while clearly the message of the gospel, the hope of Christ, remains the same, the methodology of how that message is communicated and delivered has changed uh, quite significantly. And and the interesting thing is we've seen this paradigm shift, uh, Wayne, on the mission field, where now really it's largely the, the tremendous success of nationals uh, that are leading to this almost um, uh, wildfire of of uh, growth of the church in, in many parts of the world, there might be some important lessons that we here in the West can draw from what we're seeing happening in, in places like Central and South America, Asia, China, elsewhere. Well, absolutely. And uh, we are learning from our friends in places like Asia, Africa, and South America. In some ways, they put us to shame with their boldness uh, in parts of North Africa where we work and help deliver programs uh, through uh, satellite. Uh, We have local partners on the ground that work below the radar, and we don't identify them in any way. Often we disguise their voices. But if I were there, I would be praying like mad for protection. You know what they pray for, Craig? They pray for boldness, Mm. not safety. And we're so safety conscious in this country, but in that part of the world, they, they just pray, Lord, make us bold in our witness, and they don't take any unnecessary chances. But uh, last year we had one of our radio uh, producers that uh, was turned into the authorities. They arrested him, put him in jail. Uh, In jail, somebody recognized his voice from the radio broadcast and beat him because he was a follower of Jesus. And through a series of miracles, he was released in a couple of months and returned to his family. Uh, The stories don't always end that way. We know that there are people that are arrested, beaten, and sometimes killed because they follow Jesus. Uh, One of our uh, radio partners in that part of the world was listening to one of our broadcasts uh, on satellite, and his father discovered that he was uh, listening and on the website and said, Son, do you really believe this stuff? And he says, Yes, Father, I do. He didn't deny it. He just said, Yes, I believe it. And he beat his son threw him out of the house uh, with only what he had on his back. And that young man, uh, going through the streets half-naked at night, uh, no home, no family, there was a light on in a house, and in a country that's less than 1% Christian, knocked at the door, and a Christian family took him in and uh, healed his wounds and fed him and clothed him and got him into school. Today, this young man is producing programs for us in the Arabic language, and reaching his countrymen. I mentioned earlier, uh, we often digitally disguise the voices of those so they won't be recognized, and we offer to disguise his voice, and he says, no, I've already been beaten for following Jesus. You can let my voice go out as it is. So this is why I think we can learn something. You know, we have social persecution in this country, and we feel we're discriminated against, and that's true. However, in many parts of the world, Uh, becoming a follower of Jesus can cost you your family, your job, or even your life. Yeah, ironically, it is more of a picture of what the first century church looked like 
um, than certainly anything that we've known of recent years. And, and, and maybe perhaps that sense of, of purpose that is motivated by uh, results, motivated by a passion for Christ and a desire to serve him above, above all else, um, is exactly what the Lord wants of us in, in these uh, these times when uh, there's a better part of, what, almost two and a half billion people that have yet to hear the gospel message. And we know that while certainly a lot of them lie in that, that all-critical 1040 window, uh, growing numbers of them are right here at home, right here as our next-door neighbors in North America, aren't they? Well, and that's the other thing we can learn uh, in this country, because the mission field is now coming to us. And many of the immigrants that are coming to this country, I don't know how you feel about the immigration issue, but many are coming, and they are interested in our culture. Many are coming from Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and finding Christ in this country because they're interested in the culture. Many that are coming are already believers and are starting churches, and they have come to this country to escape persecution or to have a better life and starting churches and reaching other immigrants with the gospel. So uh, I don't think uh, the the story is over for the United States of America. I think we're going to see a spiritual harvest come here as uh, the rest of the world reaches out to our very materialistic, hedonistic, secular society in this country. And as you point out, the mission field is literally coming to us, and the amazing thing is that then God can use this as these people influence their friends um, and family members back home, wherever their nation of origin might be, and we see the continuing cycle of the outreach of the gospel. A great book, and if you'd like to get more information about it, um, you can do so by going to reachbeyond.org. That's reachbeyond.org. Take a moment, if you would, Wayne, as our time winds down together, and tell us a bit about the I Refuse campaign. Well, the uh, I referred to that a bit earlier. The I Refuse is our mission manifesto, and if you go to our website, you'll be able to read that manifesto. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight points. And we're looking for 100,000 followers of Jesus that will go online and sign that manifesto. And the I Refuse campaign is we refuse to stand idly by as people enter eternity without Christ when we can share the good news that transform them. We refuse to watch people for whom Christ dies suffer in pain and poverty when we can help restore them in his name. We refuse to fear the darkness that entraps people. We'll put on the armor of God and pray for the unreached uh, so that more may come to know Jesus. And if you want to know more about the I Refuse, this is a call to the Church in America to take a stand, to share the good news with the dark places around the world. And we invite many of your listeners to your show, Craig, that they would go online and sign this manifesto and make that commitment to reach the unreached around the world and even across the street. And again, information available on the web at reachbeyond.org. That's reachbeyond.org. Wayne's new book, by the way, of a similar title. You'll find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, through Amazon.com, and, of course, through reachbeyond.org. Wayne Pedersen, president of Reach Beyond, formerly HCJB. Thank you for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. 
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.